This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning, everybody. And uh, thank you. That's very kind. Uh, Don't all feel like you have to clap when I come on stage, but if one or two of you want to, that's fine. Oh, my God. You guys, it's too much. It's too much, really. You only have to do that once a week. Um, So, happy Mother's Day, moms. Moms, you need to know this about me. I, uh, man, I I love moms. I I have a mom, um, and I'm really thankful for moms. I also really love 90s hip-hop and R&B. And so I was thinking today I wanted to come out to like a mom song from a 90s hip-hop or R&B artist. Um, And I was thinking like Tupac did this really great song, Dear Mama. But there's a line in there that I thought, I don't know. Uh, and then Boys to Men did a really great song about moms, and I love Boys to Men. Like, I'm a big Boys to Men fan. I hear they might be coming to our area, the Green Music Center this summer, Boys to Men. And they did a really great song about moms. The problem with Boys to Men is all of their songs sound like they're singing to their girlfriend, including the one to their mom. So I decided not to do that. Hey, Justin, while I'm getting ready, can you get this TV set up for me up front? Um, up here? That'd be great. Thank you. So anyway, you'll have to just take a happy Mother's Day because my two thoughts on songs were fails. So I'm sorry, but happy Mother's Day, moms. Uh, we're so glad that you're here and uh, hope you really enjoy your time. If you're a guest with us today, welcome to New Life. I would love to meet you after service. Uh, like our pre-service video said, I like to hang out at Guest Central. I'll be out there. I'd love to just say hi, hear what brought you to New Life. I'd love to talk back and forth about anything that is coming up for you this morning as we launch our brand new series today, Who Needs God? And we're launching this series um, today specifically because I thought, man, what a great time to ask some big questions about life and faith. And really, is there a need for God in the world anymore? As we have progressed so far as a culture, so far as a people, as intellect has grown and, and um, you know, scientific revolution happened, is God really necessary in the world today? People are bantering this question all over the place. And it might not feel like a new question to you because you and I live on the coast. And we have this thing on the coasts that I call the puka shell phenomenon. And I've mentioned it from time to time. How many of you remember the puka shell necklaces? They were very hip in the 90s. I had a couple of them. In fact, I left it side stage, but a friend of mine gave me a puka shell necklace this morning, which is very, very exciting. But puka shell necklaces were big in the 90s. We all had them very cool. Uh, I met my wife, Maria, about 13 years ago, and we fell in love. And she was from a small town in Illinois. And when I went to visit her family for the first time, about 10 years after puka shells had come and gone in California, I went to Illinois, and her high school brother was wearing a puka shell necklace. And this is the puka shell phenomenon. It's that trends always go from the coasts of our country, think New York, think LA, think San Francisco, think Washington, into the center. So the topic we're talking about today might not seem all that new to you, but I'm telling you it's only because of the puka shell phenomenon, because you've been living in this reality for quite a while. But I'm, I'm telling you, people are asking this question at a startling rate. And the question is this, who needs God anymore? Who needs God? Maybe you're here this morning and And you've got one foot out the door and you're saying, yeah, who does need God anymore? What is the point of coming to these gatherings and this religious institution? Some people 
uh, are saying, yeah, we need God. So some people say yes, but we don't always live like there's a God or like we need God. Let's just be honest, Jesus followers in the room. We don't get it right all the time. You know why? Because we are human. And if you're here and you're skeptical about God because of some of us, I would say two things. One, you have every right to be, but two, we're no different than you. We say some things and we do other things and we try to live the right way. We try to live and follow what we say we believe, but it's not always easy. Some people say, yes, we do need God, but we don't live like we do. Some people say no, but we find it, uh, we find God difficult to completely dismiss. So a couple times a year, we find ourselves coming back into these types of gatherings and asking some questions, or maybe something goes really good, it has us asking questions, or something goes really bad, and it has us asking some big questions. We lose a loved one, and we think there's got to be something more out there. For some people, the question is not who needs God, but really who needs religion anymore. Oh my goodness, with, with things that have come out over the last 25 years about religious institutions and some of the harm that they've done, we forget about all the good schools and orphanages and hospitals and traditionally all the good that religious institutions have done. And it's very easy to focus on some of the really, really bad things. Now, I talked about this in our last series. We should never brush those bad things under the carpet. We need to be the ones to open up and apologize for the pain and the hurt. But some people are asking, do we really need organized religion? And more Americans than ever right now are backing away from religion. And consequently, we're backing away from God. And if you're here today only because it's Mother's Day. And on Friday, you realized it was Mother's Day. And you knew that you'd missed your Amazon Prime window to get your mom a gift. (laughs) So you said to mom, mom, this year, I love you so much that instead of getting you a gift, I want to go to church with you this year. (laughs) What? Good for you. That was a good play. You were thinking on your feet. But two, you might be asking this question. Come on. Do we really need, do we really need faith Do we really need religion? Do we really need God? How many of you remember where you were on September 11th when the Twin Towers were hit? Do you you remember? I was a junior in college, and I was laying in bed, and my mom called me, and she said, turn on the TV right now. And I turned on the TV, and blurry-eyed, it honestly, it looked like I was watching some sort of horror show. And people who led churches around the country, they said, get ready, because churches are going to be packed for these next season, because everyone's going to be asking questions about God. And sure enough, they were right. For the next two weeks across our country, churches were jam-packed. And then on the third week, they emptied right back out. And right after 9-11 hit, Uh, An atheist named Sam Harris wrote this book, The End of Faith, Religion, Terror, and the Future of Reason. He began writing this book, and basically the book was a critique on all religion, all theism, so one God religions, specifically Christianity. And he began to write this book, and he went to 12 different publishers to try to get it published, and no one would publish it because everyone was sure, you can't write this book right after 9-11. No one will read it. And then eventually a publisher picked it up, and it spent 33 weeks on the New York Times bestsellers 
list. Two years later, in response to Christian outrage around this book, Sam Harris wrote another book called A Letter to a Christian Nation, which I believe was the number seven New York Times bestseller when it came out. Now, I want to I talk about what happened here. Because about the time Sam Harris wrote a second book, another gentleman named Richard Dawkins, who is brilliant, by the way. He's a brilliant thinker and philosopher. If he and I were to debate, he would beat me every day of the week. He could beat me drunk and high. I guarantee it. Like, he's that, can you say that in church? Like, he would. Like, no question. That same time, Richard Dawkins wrote this book called The God Delusion. And in this book, his goal was to turn religious people into atheists. I've read The God Delusion. This is what he says in the preface of his book. If this book works as I intend, religious readers who open it will be atheists when they put it down. Now, I read this book to prepare for this series because I want to talk about atheism a little bit today. Now, I promise you, I will not be demeaning. Well, it bothers me so much. When two people who disagree with each other on anything, politically, religiously, how you raise your kids, put each other down for the sake of making their point. I will not be demeaning. And I will do my best. I actually brought my notes up here because, believe it or not, I'm not an expert in atheism. Only a few of you laughed at that. (laughs) Really do follow Jesus. But I brought my notes up because I want to I want to tell you what people uh, like Christopher Hitchens, Richard Dawkins, Sam Harris, who are known as kind of the new atheists. They're these, these big leaders, these big thinkers, these big teachers in atheism. They're like the rock stars of the atheistic world. And, and by atheist, I just mean don't believe in God. There is no God. So atheism says no God. Theism says there is a God. If you're agnostic, you say there might be a God, but he's unknowable. But these are the two kind of extremes, theism, atheism. About the time that the God delusion came out, another guy named Christopher Hitchens wrote this book. It said, God is not great. Now, very few people, percentage-wise in our country, actually read these books. I, I did. And I tried to do it with an open mind because I want to learn and I want to—I I don't think— I don't think we should be scared to ask questions. So I read these books, and I'll tell you, it was unsettling to me. Some of the natural outcomes of atheism. But a number of these new atheists started writing these books, and, and while relatively few people read them, a large percentage of our country began to, began to drift with them. Not directly into the atheist lane, only about 7% of Americans would say that they are atheists. There is no God, there is no question about it. But into the, into the, I'm not so sure about religion, because these new atheists had basically one big point. There is no God, and religion really is the problem. And like I said, while relatively few people read these books, a number of people had begun to affiliate with the thinkings and the teachings of these new atheists. There's a whole movement right now called the nuns movement. And I'm not talking 
Mother Superior, N-U-N, I'm talking N-O-N-E, non-affiliated. People who would say, I'm not affiliated with any sort of religion. I'm walking away from theism, and I'm walking towards something. And the question is, what do you walk towards when you walk away from God? But nuns are non-affiliated people. They're not affiliated with 35% of millennials, by the way, are identifying in the nun category. And the vast majority of millennials who are identifying as nuns are male over female, and they're walking away from Christian faith. They believe in some sort of definition of God, but not necessarily the Christian view of God. So they would say we are spiritual, but not religious. And if you press the question on, well, what spirituality are you? You say, I, I, you know, I'm not so sure. I, I had a neighbor, an amazing guy. I mean, this guy did more for our community in Petaluma when he lived and worked here than uh, the vast majority of us. I mean, this is an amazing guy. He said, Kevin, come down and see my prayer room when I first moved in. And I said, okay, great. So I went to his prayer room thinking, how cool. Like, what a devoted guy. Because he told me, yeah, I'm super spiritual. I've even got a prayer room. So I walked into the prayer room. And in the prayer room, there's a cross over here, and there's Buddha here, and there are Hindu gods and goddesses here. And I said, tell me about your prayer room. You know, and he was like, well, this is where I I pray to the spirits. You know, I I pray to the gods. He was following this in this nun category. Most nuns would say that they are tired. They're just tired of institutional religion. And so they're walking away. And that, again, might be you. You might have one foot out the door. You might be walking away. I guarantee you, if you're sitting here today, you've got a friend who's a nun or a child or a spouse who falls into this category. And this series is designed to help us talk about what we're walking away from when we walk away from theism, we walk away from God, what we're walking to when we walk away from theism. And then for the last four weeks of the series, I'm going to do my best to convince you that the God revealed in Jesus is irresistible. And that maybe the God you walked away from was no God at all, but a childish caricature of a God you learned about in your youth And instead of maintaining a childlike trust in God, you've held on to a childish picture of God who is really no God at all. Because here's what I know about Jesus. People who were nothing like Jesus liked Jesus because Jesus liked people. The series we're going to do after this series is called Everybody Always. See, we're a church that is for NorCal. That means that we believe in people. We are for this community. We want to be known for what we're for and who we love and how we serve and not what we are against. Because we believe that Jesus very clearly communicated to people that he was for people. Now, you might not believe that Jesus was the Son of God, but you and I can all agree that Jesus was a historical figure who walked around and who changed the world. But here's what I'm going to do today. Today, I'm going to do something that's going to freak some of you out, and I'm okay with that. Today, I'm going, to, I'm going to give an entire talk without ever using a Bible verse. Now, let me save you an email, because I know you're already like, mm-hmm, ha, ha. Okay. I'm talking about what we walk towards when we walk away from theism, and there's not a chapter and verse for it. And I don't believe in slapping a Bible verse on something just to appease a few Christians who would be mad at me if I didn't. Okay? 
And this is a six-week series. You don't lay out all the good stuff in the first chapter of a six-chapter book. You got to hold some till the end. So if you're here and you're freaked out that I didn't use the Bible today, come back, come back. We'll have Pastor Ron to steady us soon, okay? Don't worry. Okay. Okay. Amen, we get some clapping on that. But today I want to talk about I want to talk about the five big tenets of this new atheism that has started. Three of them might be new to you. Two of them, if you've, if you've asked questions about atheism, you've probably heard some of these conversations. And my goal today, again, is not to demean and is not to argue with you about them. It's simply to tell you that you never walk away from something without walking towards something else. Just like you, you never get into a car to go to someone's house and have your spouse ask you, do you know the address? And say, no, I'm just going to start driving. Eventually, I figure I'll find it. Some of you husbands are saying, yeah, I do. Well, what are you I've lived here for two months. Of course I know my way around. No, no, you never get into a car to drive somewhere without knowing the destination. And yet when it comes to the biggest issue of our lives, the issue we are staking our non-eternity or eternity on, a lot of people are walking away from God without any sort of clarity on what we are walking toward. So today my goal is simply to tell you what you're walking toward when you walk away from God and towards atheism. And atheism is a complex set of beliefs that leads to some unsettling conclusions. Now, just because they're unsettling doesn't mean that they are wrong, but they are unsettling. Listen, unsettling is not a truth test. Don't believe me? Look at your teenage daughter's boyfriend. He's unsettling, but he's true. He's here. He showed up at your house and ate your food last night. Unsettling is not a truth test. Just ask my in-laws. So all I want to do today is talk about the five big tenets of new, this new atheistic movement and let you know what you're walking towards when you consider walking away from theism. So if there is no God, according to Richard Dawkins and Sam Harris and Christopher Hitchens and the rock stars of the atheistic world, if there is no God, here's atheism 2.0, if there is no God, then there is only the illusion of the mind. And here's what they mean by that. You are simply a clump of biology and chemistry that happens to have been formed together. And yes, you have a, a brain, and no one's going to argue that, but there is no sense of, of deeper you, of transcendent you, of eternal you. You're simply a, a clump of matter that happened to be formed together. There's some tissue and some cells that grew and divided and subdivided. But there is no real you in any lasting sense. There are no your kids in any real deeper transcendent sense. They're just little clumps of biology and chemistry. Cells that divided and subdivided. Some of you are saying, yeah, I know. I know exactly what they are. But deep down, listen... Deep down, that's unsettling to think that there is no, let's put this on it, eternal you. 
Now, it doesn't mean that it's not true. It might be true. I'm not arguing truth today. But somewhere in the quiet of your mind, you laid in bed, and the music was done, Pandora was turned off, you scrolled through Facebook, and you realized, oh, it doesn't ever end. And so after two hours, you closed your phone. <laughs> and you laid in bed, looking up at the dark, you thought to yourself, there's got to be more. There's got to be more than this. 30, 40, 50, 60 years, 80 years, 90 years, and then nothing. But if there is no transcendent or eternal God, then there is no transcendent or eternal you. The other thing that, another thing that atheists say is there is no free will. There's only the illusion of free will. That everything that is done is determined. And there's a phrase for everything being determined. It's called determinism. That there's a complex set of, of history back that determines everything that you do. Sam Harris, one of these new atheists on his podcast, uh, he had this great line. People always, Christians especially, but a lot of theists write into him and they just write really mean, horrible, scathing things to him. I mean, hurtful things. Things I think, come on, people. Like, what part of love your neighbor as yourself did you miss? You know what I mean? But they write these really scathing things. And Sam Harris said in his podcast one day, uh, he said, listen, ultimately, they have no choice about what they write and say, so I can't really be mad at them for it. That may be true, but it's unsettling. Moms, if your husband woke up this morning and you've got a couple young kids, and your young kids didn't do anything for you because they didn't realize it was Mother's Day, and you turned to your husband and you said, did you remind them it was Mother's Day? And they said, not my mother. Okay. Hey, now listen. And you said, how could you, not t- how could you not help them? And they said, that's not on me. Everything that has been and everything that is, is determined. You can't hold me responsible for my choices. I have no free will in the matter. It's all been decided before me. That might be true, but I'm telling you, you're going to be in a fight. (laughs) Free will might be an illusion, but have you ever tried to live that way? Have you ever tried to parent that way? Honey, don't hit your sister. I can't help it. It's all been determined. (laughs) You can't ground me. You say, yeah, it's been determined too. (laughs) You will be grounded forever. But there is no forever. So what do we do now? I don't don't know. I'm just, this is all fun. We're all having a good time. (laughs) I love what Stephen Hawking says about this. Kind of tongue in cheek. Stephen Hawking, who believes in determinism, said, I've noticed that even people who claim that everything is predestined and that we can do nothing to change it, look before they cross the road. (laughs) Because listen, this might be true, but have you ever tried to live this way? It's darn near impossible. It's very unsettling. This third one is the one that hit me more than anything and left me just with a pit in my stomach. It's the illusion of intrinsic 
value. And this is a, a kind of a big word. I don't want to insult you by telling you what it means, but I'm going to tell you because I needed to look it up. Intrinsic value simply means value based on that thing in and of itself. Like it is value that you have. I don't give it to you. You just have it. So Jesus followers believe that human beings were created in the image of God. And based on that, we have intrinsic value. You have value simply by the fact that you were created by a loving, creative, heavenly father who put you together uniquely and on purpose. And there is a you and there is a mind and you have free will and you have value. But if there is no transcendent God to give value, then there is no transcendent value to anything. There's only ascribed value, the value that I place on you. So for example, if you're walking down the street this afternoon uh, and you see someone cutting down a tree and that tree falls on them, if you ascribe more value to the person than you do to the tree, you will race over, you will cut the tree apart and you will save the human being. But if you're walking down that same road and you see someone cutting down a tree and that tree falls on them, or no, let's say say the tree doesn't fall. Let's say they start to cut down the tree. They got their ax because it's 1870 and they've got their ax and they're going to cut it down. You're walking down the street and you see them about to Johnny, uh, Abe Lincoln, that ax, whatever. That didn't really happen from what I'm told. And they're about to cut down the tree. But you ascribe more value to the tree than to the person. What do you do? Well, you cut down the person to stop them from cutting down the tree. Because the tree is more valuable than the person and the tree is about to be cut down. Do you see what happens when, when there is no intrinsic value, there is only ascribed value? Without intrinsic value, just or justice is just what I want it to be. And those with power get to decide what is valuable. Friends, that is unsettling. It might be true. But have you ever tried to live that way? Man, I believe in the value of human life, of all human life, from conception through natural death. I believe in the value of all human life. And so when I found out recently, there's a whole movement right now that is, is a proponent of aborting children uh, who have Down syndrome because they're going to make their parents' lives harder because they won't have all the opportunities because of Down syndrome. It broke my heart to think that we are moving in a direction where we will kill human beings because they do not fit an intellectual mold that we have. This is not 1984. This is not some future dystopia. This is 2018 and the world that we live in. But this is what happens when justice, and we're going to talk about justice in a few weeks, because if there is no ultimate God who sets justice, and listen, when it comes to justice, you and I all want the same set of rules. You don't want different people and different cultures and different leaders to have their own version of justice based on power where might makes right. It may be true that there is no intrinsic value, but it is deeply unsettling. 
All right, the last two. Uh, you've probably heard these if you've been around these types of conversations before. The first is that something came from no thing. That Charles Darwin does not talk about cosmology or origins or the beginnings of things. Charles Darwin's big contribution to science, and he made great contributions to science, were the evolution of things over long periods of time. But that no one has done for origins what Darwin did for the evolution of animals and plants. Which is why Richard Dawkins says that cosmology or origins is still waiting for its Darwin to emerge. But the new atheists say, no, no, no. There is no something or someone that caused this nothingness to turn into something. They don't have an answer yet. But they say something had to come from nothing because we are evidence of it. And we know that the universe had a starting point, that there was nothing, and then bang, there was something. But if there is no big banger to start the bang, then something had to come from nothing. I don't know. I don't know. Again, my goal is not to argue but simply to tell you. And if you're here and you're saying, well, hold on a second. I don't believe in God, but I don't believe in all of that. Then I will tell you, you're not an atheist then. At least not a very good one. Okay? You're a hypocritical atheist. You're giving atheists a bad name. Stop it. Then you're not. Then you're not. Then you are right now, you're walking away from something. And I'm simply asking you to know what you're walking towards. And the last one is this, that first life came from no life. Firstly, you and I specifically, that first life came from no life. If you can hold to the fact that something came from nothing with no outside cause, it just, with enough, well, you can't say time because there was no time. With enough nothingness, something can erupt. If you can hold to that and If you are going to be an atheist, you need to on some level hold to that. These are the smart people telling you this is what you have to believe to be an atheist. Then you get to this next thing. Well, how did first life come from no life with no help? There was a biogenesis. I love that. That sounds so smart. Uh, Biogenesis. Thank you very much. You're welcome. (laughs) There was a beginning. A beginning where nothing became something, and then little clumps of something gathered together to make you. I, I love it, what Richard Dawkins says. He says, um, and it almost sounds like he's an advocate for a divine creator, but he's not. He's actually talking about how first life came from no life. This is what Dawkins says. He says, think about it. On one planet, and possibly only one planet in the entire universe. Molecules that would normally make nothing more, than, more complicated than a chunk of rock gather themselves together into chunks of rock-sized matter of such staggering complexity that they are capable of running and jumping and swimming and flying and seeing and hearing 
and capturing and eating other such animated chunks of complexity. And they're capable in some cases of even thinking and feeling and falling in love with yet other chunks of complex matter. Now, when I hear that, I, I, it's so hard for me. And you, listen, you're probably smarter than me. I don't doubt that. But I have such a hard time reading that and not seeing some sort of intelligent, creative process behind it. Dawkins goes on to finish the statement like this. He says, we now understand essentially how the trick was done. And what he says is it was done because we just had enough time and space and matter. And with enough time and space and matter and energy, eventually you came out. Listen, that might be true. It's, it's hard for me to grasp, but it might be true. But it's unsettling. Here's my guess, though, as we wrap our time up. If you're walking away from God, it probably has very little to do with the origins of the universe. It probably has very little to do with, with um, justice, ultimate justice in the world. It probably has very little to do with a biogenesis. My guess is this, that it's far more personal to you. My guess is that you're walking away from God because your version of theism has lost its appeal or it doesn't seem real. That atheism isn't all that attractive when you look at the tenets. And you might say, ah, come on, I, I don't have to believe in all of that stuff to not believe in God. But people far smarter than us, I would, I would dare say far smarter than any of us in this room, are saying, oh, yes, you do. This is what it means if there is no God. These are the conclusions of a world without God. But my guess is you're not walking away from God because of that. You're walking away because theism, your version, has lost its appeal. Or it doesn't seem real. And if that's you, can I beg you to come back? Because we're going to talk next week about the God of the No Testament. That the childhood faith you were raised with, the caricature of God, might be just that, a caricature. We were in Maui uh, for our vacation a couple weeks ago, Maria and I. So fun, so fun. We're walking down the street and there was this guy drawing caricatures. You know what they do, right? They, you sit down, you're a very normal looking person and you sit down and they make you look like your head is a balloon, and that whatever feature is just mildly disproportionate, they make it huge. <laughs> I was like, hey, babe, you want to do that? She looked at me like, no, no, what? <laughs> yes, please, let's talk about all of our insecurities on vacation. Like, he would make my head all shiny and my nose all big. It's like, no, we don't want me, not my wife. She's got lovely hair, lovely hair. But we do that with God a lot. We have certain pictures of God, certain characteristics, characters, characteristics of God that oftentimes aren't anywhere in the Bible, but they were on a flannel graph somewhere. Or they were made up in pop culture. 
Taylor Swift sung about it. And you were like, that's got to be true. That's got to be true. Could it be that the God you walked away from is no God at all? Next week, we're going to deconstruct the gods of the New Testament so that in the four weeks that follow, we can reconstruct a beautiful picture of the God revealed in Jesus. And I'm telling you, he's irresistible for you, for your kids, for your neighbors and your coworkers. I'm telling you, you got to come back. God bless you guys. Have a great Sunday. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.